They say the world can be hard, cruel, and ugly. Trust me, it gets worse if you're hungry and thirst. Doesn't push you from position, last place to first. Can't build a foundation without having feet in the dirt. So I put in the work, grind harder than most. I don't chase accolades of the living, I'm facing a ghost. That's what makes me the GOAT. Depending on who you ask, my brother, whatever task. Got it covered like a mask, guaranteed they can't see me at the open run. Cause I cook competitors until they look well done. Don't act like you don't know where I held from. I had to climb about the trenches, sit on benches, throw my time and come. Don't be mad at the player, be mad at the game. Sneak this in the hating, that's a flag on the play. Me falling off, huh? That'll be the day I'm like, bolt in the race, leave the track, flambe, it's the open run. Sometimes when I'm doing speaking engagements, I make a reference to soul food versus fast food when I'm talking about rap music and hip hop culture. I make a line of delineation between what is soul food and what is fast food. And this past weekend, even though this is a show about basketball and life, I can't help but be swept up in the storm that is the greatness of Deion Sanders and what he's doing to change not only the face of college football, but the business of college football, which is a whole nother story, probably on a whole nother podcast that I do at some point with someone else, but it's amazing, but I love that he's doing it. And when people are criticizing Deion Sanders, for whatever reason, some are obvious, some maybe not so obvious, but the criticism is there for him doing things in his way. You know, he is the head coach, he is someone who didn't go to a team that was 11-1 and last year. He went to a team that was 1-11. and And if the team was 1-11, and part of that was not just talent. It's about the mentality around talent. He wanted to change the mentality. He took the job and was like, some of you guys won't be here next year. He kept it a buck. He didn't tiptoe around it. He didn't sugarcoat it. He told them what it was. He kept it a band, a whole band. Didn't play with them. I think a lot of people fail to realize when Dion says, I've been him. He's not lying. Easily a top 10 all-time greatest athlete who ever breathed air on this planet. Period. In high school, you name the sport, he was doing it. And he was one of the best at that sport. When he got to Florida State, best on offense, best on defense. He was what he was. Got in the NFL, became a mercenary. From a player movement standpoint, with free agency and everything else. Went with the Cowboys, went with the 49ers, built the house in Atlanta. This my house. He's been him. He's been a superstar. The glare doesn't bother him. He's walking in different shoes right now. And some people, those shoes ain't their size. They can't fit that. His son, Shador, seems ready for that. But that's a whole nother conversation as well. But to see what he's doing. Had me up 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning watching college football in a double overtime game this past weekend. It made me think about people who are looking to change the game. Because he's done that. With the transfer portal, which he freely calls free agency. And it really is. The amount of overt disrespect to this man who's all of a sudden getting a lot of attention for a team that was 1-11 last year. But now it's about how he was raised, that he takes his glasses off and follow the conditioning and dictates of a world that didn't see him as a man in the first place. Had his mom in the locker room talking wild. I loved it. Hey, she was about that smoke. And if she don't smoke, she had the vape pen, word to J Electronica. But he's been him. His son's about to be him. Shout out to Shiloh, too, who played great. But about changing the game. Guys who change the game. Guys like the Fab Five at Michigan. There's something, there's a thread in all of this, as I'm saying this. And hopefully you'll be able to pick up on that. But 
Those guys changed the game. They changed the way we saw the game. Now, those who are in the know actually know the University of Illinois were the first ones to rock from a stylistic standpoint. The year before them, the baggy shorts and all this other stuff. Shout out to Kendall Gill and Kenny Battle, Steve Bardo, those guys. A lot of Chicago guys. Marcus Liberty, who's in my class. But the credit went to the guys we saw the most, the Fab Five. One of the greatest recruiting classes in college basketball history. One of the most memorable teams in college basketball history, though they did not win a championship. In two years that those guys were all together, they went to the final twice. They lost twice. Once to Duke, once to North Carolina. In the famous timeout by the artist formerly known as Macy Edward Christopher Weber III. He's clearly the most visible one of the group. But the guy who held it all together, the glue, the spike, the public falling out between Jalen Anthony Rose and Chris Webber and the minimalization of Ray Jackson and Jimmy King. Jawan Howard, now the University of Michigan head basketball coach, was one who held it together. And hopefully now we'll hold it together for him as he just went through a heart procedure that will have him out for the next six to 12 weeks. Some people will say he's back in four to six weeks, but you cannot mess around with your health. And the engine that helps you keep running, which is your heart. Because once that goes, it's difficult. And I guess every year we get older, I think about times that I've interacted with Jawan. First in high school, when he was in high school. And then also, again, as adults, he was in the league by then in Chicago. Hanging out with man Chauncey. Sitting in the VIP with him and Antoine Walker and some of their friends. Yeah, that was a, a different night. It's a family show. I can't talk about that here, but... Get well soon, my brother, and always go blue all day, every day on the podcast. You know, just looking at people who do things the way they want to do them, to, to be who they really want to be. Dion's mother talked about being who he really was, raised him to be who he was, embrace being him. The Fat Five embraced being them, where they came from, and how they played, and the country did the same. Will the country embrace Dartmouth University's men's basketball team looking to unionize? The Ivy League does not have scholarships, so they're trying to figure out a way to protect themselves and protect their investment in themselves. This was tried by another Ivy League level school, Northwestern, back in 2014. The football team tried it and led to some changes. I mean, with all the NIL rules and everything else, maybe they weren't around to see these things manifest as, you know, normally get four years of university. Although I think Colorado State's kicker was like 31 years old. He's a professional student. He could be getting NIL for the rest of his life. Who knows? That said, the soul food is the effort. The soul food is in being who you really are. Authentically yourself. Shout out to Marshawn Lynch. I saw this funny thing that he did on some show where he was out with the Amish people. And he's like, you got the 32s on that thing? Yeah, he's wild. Authentically yourself. Be who you are. And recalling the first time I went to University of Massachusetts, Amherst, to teach my class, the first ever university accredited course on hip-hop culture, my lone advocate in the department, Dr. John Bracey, took me to a very fancy restaurant called KFC, and I thought he was going to impart some deep wisdom on me about how to teach a course that had never been taught before. All he said to me was, be you. It got you this far. And hopefully you'll stick with me being me and you being you as I welcome you to the podcast where basketball and life are one. It is the open run with Will Strickland. That would be me. The open run with Will Strickland is brought to you by the fine folks at One Neighborhood. Yes, One Neighborhood. Make sure you check us out when we get our website developed and all together. 
I can be found across these rough interweb streets at W underscore Strickland and the number one on Twitter, Will Strickland and the number one on IG and across all streaming platforms where podcasts can be found, but right now exclusively at anchor.fn. Soul food means the truth. We've been getting a lot of fast food with the assault charges that were laying against Rockets guard Kevin Porter Jr. on his girlfriend, Kaiser Gondrzejczyk former WNBA athlete herself. To note that the Rockets even tried during this whole period, without it being any sort of real resolution, without a full investigation being done by the NYPD and anyone else who's involved in the investigation on the veracity of the events of that evening, the disgusting part is that the Rockets tried to trade him. In the midst of all this, any GM who picked up the phone to listen to a trade offer for this kid, no matter how you feel about him, you're just as disgusting as the Houston Rockets GM. I don't know who the hell it is now. I don't even care. But I'm going to find out. They want to get away from this contract. They want to get away from this news. But you can't. And doing something at this time that's so high visibility. Or at least I thought it was. Because we haven't heard a lot about it in the past week. Gondrzejczyk's own lawyers have come out and stated that some of the early reporting on it. Because everyone wants to be first. Has been misleading. Her lawyer, Robert Hanthman, said that, referring to a criminal complaint, the statements that were attributed to her were not her words. She says he didn't strike her repeatedly. He's a big guy. If he hit her repeatedly, she'd have a broken jaw. Okay. But they found her covered in blood in the hallway in the Millennium Hotel in New York City, according to prosecutors. And in a statement at his arraignment, the assistant district attorney in New York City said Porter repeatedly punched her in the neck, causing a gash to her eye, and strangled Kaiser Gondrzejczyk and broke a bone in her neck. The criminal complaint even alleges that she suffered a fractured vertebrae in her spine, but Gondrzejczyk actually has a congenital defect that was mistaken for a cracked vertebrae, according to a source and information by Fox News. Take that for what it's worth. Whatever the case is, he was charged with second-degree assault for the neck fracture, which he didn't appear to have caused, second-degree strangulation, and third-degree assault. Porter's lawyers have asked for the case to be dropped, which is ignorant as well, because there was something that happened. Whether we ever find out what that is, is one thing. But just some of the movements and machinations around this, and how it got real quiet once some of this other stuff started coming out. Whatever it's worth... I think we have to wait until she makes a public statement. I don't know if she'll be totally coached up by then or she's really saying, we don't know. And we live in a cynical world, so we just have to wait. But what we don't have to wait for is the raw emotions of Gondra's ex-sister, who in an Instagram story said to Kevin Porter, if you think you go and touch my sister and not get touched, count your fucking days, she wrote. Better hope and pray you'll be able to walk again, let alone dribble. Yeah. That's smart to say in the midst of all this on social media. It's all performative art to me when people do stuff like that. It's not helping your sisters, not helping the case, not helping anything at all. And if they want to say you're making terrorist threats online and you get charged, well, dumb, dumb, that's on you. I understand the emotions. Sometimes you let your inside voice outside too much. These things can happen. It reminded me of a song by the late great Daniel Dumoulin, a.k.a. MF Doom called Rap Snitch Knishes, where he famously says, Rap Snitches, telling all their business, sitting in their court, they be their own star witness. Do you see the perpetrator? Yeah, I'm right here. Come on, young lady. Do better. I know you're trying to ride for your sister, and I get that. Don't hinder the case before it starts. 
and perhaps in the midst of this all, Gondrzejk's sister thought she was being her most authentic self, that she was giving soul food to the proceedings instead of fast food. I doubt that. Like I said, I felt like it was performative. But what is not performative is you coming back for more of the open run with Will Strickland right after this. Back to me more of what you've asked for. It's the open run with Will Strickland in conversation with you, the listener, and with myself because it's therapeutic and cathartic. I don't know how cathartic it is. When we're talking about this online polling that I saw just recently, and it was definitely slanted to feel a certain way outside of a New York Liberty game right before the end of the season, if I'm not mistaken. The question was, who would win in a 1v1 matchup between WNBA MVP candidate, and she'll probably win it, we'll find out. Although, again, Asia Wilson has been playing out of her mind, and so has Alyssa Thomas, my pick on the Do Work Awards last week for the WNBA. But a matchup between Brianna Stewart and Rayford Trey Young of the Atlanta Hawks. This battle of the sexist thing, I guess. And we don't know how many people in this small sample size they interviewed. And of course, the magic of television slash the rough interweb streets that we are currently inhabiting. Editing is a thing. But the overwhelming choice to defeat a perennial all-star and 27-point-a-game score in the NBA was Brianna Stewart over Trey Young. You let me know what you think. You can find me on these rough interweb streets. You already know my information. I'm easy to find. And as we say that, it is now time for some WNBA playoff action. Eight teams vying for the final four spots, ultimately to make it to the championship round. And so far, so good. And the first step toward repeating for the Las Vegas Aces, who swept out the Chicago Sky in a big victory this past Sunday. Asia Wilson is playing like the MVP that she is. 38 points, 16 rebounds, just a monster game leading her team. And getting them prepared for the second round of the playoffs, their opponent to be determined as yet. But... I could sit here and extol all the virtues of Asia Wilson being the MVP and doing MVP things. She's very focused right now to have a veteran team. And with Candace Parker possibly coming back soon, it's going to be tough to beat that squad. But as we move on to the Sun versus the Lynx, the 3-6 matchup as the 1-8 was extinguished quite quickly. The Lynx, Caleb McBride and Nafisa Callier put up 54 points between them to tie the series up against the Connecticut Sun, who are going to need more help from the others being led by Dewana Bonner and, of course, MVP candidate Alyssa Thomas. They need some help. And right now, it's a do-or-die game coming up this Wednesday. Who moves on? The Lynx or the Sun? I'd be surprised if the Sun did not move on. But they have to go on the road to Minnesota. They took a split. That's what you want to do as a road team is just get one. Give you some momentum and with these short series in the first round, anything could happen in the land of 10,000 lakes. So look out for that. I think the game is on ESPN. Make sure you check it out and support these women. And shout out to the son, Stephanie Miller, who I also chose as my coach of the year in the WNBA this year. She was awarded that accolade just recently. So salute to you. I don't want to root one way or the other, but I'm sure that you would look forward to playing in the second round of the playoffs against whoever your opponent Maybe. In the 4-5 matchup between the Wings and the Dream, Satu Sabli 
and Ryan Howard. It was Gunsling at his finest. Great game. I watched all that game. I'm a big fan of Satu Sabali. Of course, Enrique Angunwale from the wings. But in the middle, the league leader in offensive rebounds, Miss Tierra McCowan, was in beast mode. 17 and 14 from her is a bonus. And they needed each and every one of those rebounds and each and every one of those points to defeat the Atlanta Dream that had Ryan Howard, Rookie of the Year from last year, come out and drop a league record 36 in her debut in the playoffs, including eight three-pointers. She was like, I'm not here to break records. I'm here to win. She's very frustrated by that, but she has another chance on Tuesday to get a split in Dallas. Satu Sabali dropping 32, which is her career high and also career playoff high for that franchise. The Dream is going to need some help, but they came to compete. They did not come to play with you. And if they can win game two, they go home to the ATL and try to close out the Wings, who I picked as a surprise dark horse team that can compete for the championship. We shall find out. And last but not least, in the 2-7 matchup between the Liberty and the Mystics, Serena Unescu, seven three-pointers. But Najelani, the glue, even when Stewie had an off night, they went on to defeat the Mystics, who are missing a lot from Shakira Austin in the middle because John Paul Jones is too much for them to handle down low. Brianna Stewart, even though she was bottled up and there's good game planning by the Mystics, very good, very solid. Eventually, that talent's going to take over and you can't do anything about it. And they have their game too this Tuesday night. A lot of time in between games. I guess they're trying to get all that revenue, but a lot of time in between each one of these games in the WNBA trying to extend the season, maybe aware of some programming situations where they don't want to really be competing with anything else. I get not playing on Monday night. I get that. Monday night football is back. But the NFL damn near owns every night of the week now. Whether you're talking about Monday, Thursday, and Sunday. College football dominating Saturday night. I get why the schedule is like it is. So let me retract what I was saying. And wish all these women the absolute best because WNBA basketball is fantastic. And what is also fantastic is you, the listener, because I know you're going to come back for more of the open run with Will Strickland on the other side of this, I'll see you soon. We ain't got next. We got now. You're now listening to the sounds of the open run with Will Strickland, where the lecture is conducted from a mic to the speaker in conversation with you, the listener, and with myself, because it is therapeutic and cathartic, much like watching this diva interview during the world cup with espn's brian winforst and dylan the villain brooks i don't know why it looked to me like an old wrestling promo with mean gene okerland and the iron sheik i don't know if mean gene's still alive i think that he passed both of them passed matter of fact blessed dead to both and it's funny because the iron sheik used to call mean gene he goes gene mean i want to talk to you gene mean and they went along with it it worked That little routine worked. But I thought it was a pretty good interview. And Dylan working into his villain role, it just felt a whole lot like that. And we'll get into the idea of a WWE superstar versus an NBA superstar a little bit later on the podcast. But the stars came out when the FIBA rankings showed up after the World Cup. And despite the loss, because what a lot of people don't realize is that the past eight years are accounted for and victories you've had are accounted for within those rankings. I don't know how they decide that, but hey, I'm not judging and they ain't on trial. So even though Germany won the World Cup, they were not the number one team on the planet. 
according to FIBA. Number one team, word to American exceptionalism, the United States of America at number one. The former number one team, Spain, is at number two. Germany finds its way to number three. Australia, which has slipped one spot to number four. World Cup silver medalist, Serbia, climbed one spot up to five. And number six, Team Canada, making an impressive move toward the number one spot. Want to shout out the biggest climber in the rankings, for sure. Luol Deng and South Sudan, which was 63rd in the world, jumped up 32 spots to number 31. I anticipate that moving as well as they are imbued with confidence now, moving forward toward Paris and the Olympics in 2024. And they'll be there, but somebody who I've noticed hadn't come up in a lot of the conversations about the new redeemed team, the Avengers being formed with all these old guys on it. But Olympic Kawhi doesn't exist. Now, he was at the Colorado State Colorado game this past weekend. People were making jokes about he can't even show up for his own home games. Ouch. But he was there along with all the other celebrities from Dwayne The Rock Johnson to Offset from Migos to He Glock, who... If I had to name one of his songs, and this is not a knock against them, it's maybe a knock against myself. Gun to head, I'd be dead. But apparently he's a celebrity, so be it. And of course, my man Percival, even though that's not his real name, Percy Robert Miller, a.k.a. Master P, in the house with his personal sweatshirt on. Everybody's a part of the wagon train that is the Colorado Buffalo football team. I love it. But are they on the same bandwagon for U.S. men's senior national basketball team? Well, some people are on that wave. I know that Austin Rivers put out his list of who he thought were 12 that were going to go over, should go over, to play for the Olympics in Paris. But I was curious why Kawhi's name never comes up. For years, they've been saying he was one of the best players in the league, arguably the best player in the league. I think that was more of a Max Kellerman, Screaming A. Smith thing, but I'll leave that be for now. But there's no Olympic Kawhi. Who is that person that kind of fits that mold in a way, but in a more vociferous? Obviously, if you say two words, it's more vociferous than Kawhi Leonard. But maybe the guy who is working out his birthday weekend at Drake's house. My man, Jimmy Butler III. I think he'll be an Olympian because he has that mentality. They need a dog like that who can more than match the defensive intensity and just the intensity of a Dylan Brooks with more focus. It's not, again, not a knock against Dylan. There are just levels to this thing. So we see Jimmy Butler. You know who else hasn't played in the Olympics? Wardell Stephen Curry II. With all the accolades for the four-time NBA champion and two-time MVP, including the lone unanimous MVP in league history, now that he got his finals MVP, could the Olympic gold medal be next in line for him? I believe it will be. The world has never seen a shooter like this. Shout out to Drazen Petrovic. But this guy's something different altogether. Bless the dead, but this guy's something different altogether. So if you had to pick your Olympic 12 and your starting five, who would they be? Again, you know where to find me on these rough interweb streets. Hit me up. Let me know what you think. But I'm going to drop mine. Of course, off top, the hashtag, he who shan't be named. Kevin Wayne Durant, Wardell Stephen Curry II. Devin Armani Booker. Anthony Marshawn Davis Jr. Idris Adebayo. Jimmy Butler III. Jason Christopher Tatum Sr. And then I gave a nod to the two guys who came out and played, I believe, the best on that team. There's no knock against Austin Reeves either. But Anthony Edwards and Mikel Bridges should have an opportunity, even with Jaron Jackson Jr. as a backup, as a third center, playing on that team because he cannot start for the championship team. And you're going to have Draymond Jamal Green Sr. there on that squad as well? Okay. 
You have a bunch of flexibility with the lineup. You definitely have offense. You have defensive intensity on the perimeter. You're going to have size. I think it's a pretty good squad. If you have one you think is better, let me know. What's the key to all this is a young man who could claim Cameroonian nationality, French nationality, and of course, as a newly minted U.S. citizen, be on Team USA. And that would be Joel Hansen B., the colonel's son. He's the key to a lot of this stuff, in my opinion. If he signs on to play, I, he definitely doesn't want to go to France. They have enough size, and I don't think that's going to help them. Does he want to represent Cameroon? He could, but I don't even know where they rank in the FIBA rankings at all, if they have enough players to make that happen. So the logical move for Joel Embiid, the MVP, the reigning defending MVP of the NBA, is to enhance his star even more by going over and winning a gold medal after his MVP season as he makes the trek toward the NBA Finals this year with or without James Edward Harden Jr. We shall find out. But even without him, who would be my starting five? This was difficult. I had to think about how I want this lineup to look. Will we get enough defensive intensity? We'll have shooting, and these guys will defend. But up top, Woodell's tough and curry. You have to have that weapon on the court. Jeremiah said something that's great, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit later as well, but about Steph, and I think it's important to note the difference. But Steph at the one, Jason Tatum at the two, Kevin Wayne Durant at the three, the hashtag at the four, and Adris Adebayo, Bam Adebayo at the five. Now, some might say, well, why not AD? Or why not Butler? And that may end up happening. Maybe I take Butler and put him next to Steph and let Tatum and AD coming in that second unit with Booker. I think they need another point guard, maybe someone like De'Aaron Fox, but that would take either Bridges or Edwards off that team. And these guys have earned at least a chance to be a part of that because of their play during the World Cup. But let me know what you think, because I know that this team is going to go out and show the difference between, and, and let you know there are levels. For people who are sitting around talking about, well, it's not 1992 anymore. Some of you weren't even around in 1992. Stop watching videos all day. I understand YouTube is here, but I watched and I was there. Of course, it was different. But what was much bigger for basketball then? When I say bigger, I mean that you didn't have 24 hours, seven days a week sports coverage. You didn't have access to these athletes. So they become more human to you because you can talk to them on social media. These guys were megastars in a time where access to those megastars before the internet, which came along in 1994. Imagine by the time you got some degree of full saturations, maybe five, six years later, a lot of those guys were retired or retired at least two other times before they retired one last time. Sorry, St. Michael Jeffrey of Wilmington. Not knock against you. I've been knocking a lot in this quarter. What I won't knock is you understanding that's not how we start. It's how we finish and we're going to finish strong on the open run with Will Strickland. It is now winning time on the open run with Will Strickland. I want to thank you, the listener, for sticking it out with me. I don't want to make it seem like it was a chore, but I'm glad you're here. And with that being said, it's now time for the news, views, and truths that you choose on the NBA and beyond. The Thunder will not be rolling on Oklahoma City as they have locked in for a 25-year contract and a $900 million new arena being built there. So congratulations to you. I don't think that Shea Gildas, Alexander, and Josh Giddy and those guys will be there. 
But what do they call this? I don't know when it's supposed to be done in construction. Maybe it's the house that Lou Dort built. A lot of Canadians down there. So shout out to those guys. And to the Thunder for keeping some stability in that franchise and keeping them there. Although contracts have been broken before. Keeping them there in the state of Oklahoma. There's no country for old men. A former Oklahoma City Thunder player by the name of James Edward Harden Jr. And a trade partner for OKC to bring them. Shea Gilgis Alexander for one Paul Anthony George. The Clippers have ended any and all conversations regarding James Harden trade talk. Encouraging, discouraging, I don't know, with training camp coming up only a few weeks from now. Could the talks begin again? Absolutely. But right now, they're on hold. And I don't know how they're going to make that work. But again, I said this before, I'm not a GM. I'm not privy to all the machinations and possible and potential other trade partners that would have to come into the fold to make this thing a reality or harden the Clippers and somehow for them to keep two max players, two max contracts in Kawhi's and Paul George's on the roster while you have James Harden coming in. He's definitely going to want his cheddar because he knows, words bond, I always say this, there's no country for old men especially those who forced their way out of contracts in situations where they were ideal circumstances. As a player, if you look at the rosters on paper, to at least win one championship, the Clippers going to Clipper. I'm just telling you right now. It is what it is. I'm not a Clippers fan. But I'm a Giannis fan. Giannis Ugo Laterrence Tentacupo is going down to Houston to work out with that nasty Nigerian by the name of Hakeem Abdul Olajuwon, the footwork master who has taught everyone from the late great Kobe Bean Bryant and Amari Stoudemire to Dwight David Howard and the hashtag he who shan't be named. I am a believer in what he can do to teach you counters to his counters and just footwork that works on the post in the perimeter. Giannis wants to be more mobile, more fluid with what he does and not seem so mechanical with his movements. But at a certain point, when you won't be able to pull through people, you're going to need that guile. You're going to need that footwork. You're going to need those things. And he's obsessed with winning and being better. As we noted in an interview recently, where he made some very eye-raising comments about being there in Milwaukee. He might be over Wisconsin. I just have to be honest with you. I'm a Milwaukee buck until I'm not. If I don't see the level of commitment and energy from the front office, from the players, from the coaches toward winning a championship, I have to look elsewhere. I would think that something like that, based on the commentary around a person who was seen as a ring chaser, even though he's already won a ring in Milwaukee, and maybe that's why it's a little bit different, that he's been given some leeway. He won with the team that was there. Uh, okay, they you know, they brought in Drew Holiday. He's a, an Olympian and all-star, like, Let's not act like he was just some regular role player. Chris Middleton, you could say that. He's the multiple-time All-Star guy who pulled himself out of the G League and made it happen. Can't knock that. Brooke Lopez, still the leading scorer in New Jersey Brooklyn Nets history. Not Julius Winfield Irving II, not Jason Kidd, not even Kevin Wayne Durant, but Brooke Lopez. I don't know his middle name. I'm going to find out. So they have a squad. But Giannis' statements with years left on his contract are very interesting. You have a new head coach there. I mean, you're going to put him on the hot seat before he gets started? Going to hamstring him with this comment? What about the teammates? His teammates? Bobby Portis, who just came off of a World Cup experience, will never have to buy another drink in Milwaukee ever because of his performance in the finals in 2021. What is Giannis really saying? And if he's making this statement like this, I have a question myself, and this is a Charles Barkley question maybe. 
Where in the hell will Thanasis go? Because he's never going to get any shine if he stays in Milwaukee and Giannis leaves. So I guess it might be a package deal. Because they're not like the Morris brothers who will find a job somewhere in the league as they approach their mid-30s now as well. I'm very curious about how this is covered and how the vitriol didn't come to Giannis' way for doing something like this. As it would some other players who have found their way onto other situations via free agency. Not by forcing their way out or talking about leaving. They're in the midst of their contracts. What's going to be forced on you, whether you like it or not, is this new in-season tournament. It's all about the money. You must have the money, but it also makes the early part of the season more competitive for players because it offers some incentive to play hard from the very beginning and hard throughout the middle of the season when it gets tough. And then as you're playing for the play-in tournament, if you're one of those teams that ends up doing that, you play throughout the season. You play the full 82. You don't take games off. And that's the gift and the curse of earning. When I grew up, I didn't have anything. Growing up, doing what I did with my life and my career, was able to do some things that would prevent my progeny from having to go through what I went through. But the gift and the curse of giving them those things and making sure that those things were provided, it created this this thing. I, I say that convenience sometimes can be a crutch because it takes the hustle gene out of you. It takes the desire gene out of you to do anything above and beyond. And so maybe the NBA, as Adam Silver said, we had to address it because we let some things slide. And I admire that, to be openly admitting to something that they didn't do correctly and to try and correct the wrong immediately. We'll see how that works out, how they will actually adjudicate certain things as far as this in-season tournament and competition, because the rules committee came back with a key, key element that we'll see in play this season about resting players. You cannot rest two star players in the same game at the same time. And I'm talking about when I say resting, I mean, like they're not playing at all. Or there'll be heavy fines. You know, these owners or governors, whether you want to call them today, are probably more than willing to pay the fine, but not to the degree that's going to hurt them. It's not like a luxury tax fine. But if they switch the penalty to draft picks and things of this nature, then you see the team doctors changing up their pitches and making sure the players get back on the court, especially the star players and nationally televised games where these players have to be on the court. Now, will that lead to something for the Players Association to say, wait a minute, you can't force my guys to play if they're not healthy enough to play. The science has told us that these injuries are this, they can't play. The team has told us we can't play because I'm injured. There's a very delicate ballet that will be danced early on with this, but someone who will not be dancing, as we define what a star is in the NBA, and we'll get to that in a second, is the hashtag, he who shan't be named. Because if you've logged over 34,000 minutes in the NBA and played over 1,000 games, and that's regular season and playoffs, you will be exempt from these rules. A guy who's given more than half of his life to the NBA going into his 21st season, I can understand why he'd be exempt. I can understand why a guy who's going to eight straight NBA finals between 2011 and 2018 get that exemption. I could see even with the pandemic winning a championship in 2020, playing to the, the high level that he played last year, that some leeway and levity would be given to a man that when he's gone, when these older guys who are going to play as the Avengers for the Olympics in 2024 are gone, we say, oh, well, we have new stars to replace them. You don't ever really replace guys like this. Eventually, they may fade from our memory, but because we have social media and Maybe not so much as like the older guys like the Jerry West and Oscar Robertsons who come from an era that damn near didn't have TV. I understand that. And people are upset that he 
has gotten this exemption, but he earned that part too. So what the hell is the difference between a star and a superstar? Everybody in the WWE who signed to a roster spot is a WWE superstar. Whether you're like this jobber guy who never gets on TV, he's a superstar once he's on the roster. I get it. But for the NBA, I've always said that there are only a couple of superstars in the league. The hashtag being one of them, Wardell Stephen Curry being another one. Transcendent stars. But I can't name too many other people who are on that level in the NBA that you would say are superstar level. Bunch of stars. Word to Joseph Ward Simmons. There have been a whole lot of superstars on this here stage tonight. Want to let y'all know one thing. This is my motherfucking house. When I say whose house, y'all say the hashtag's house. Until it's said and done. Cry now and cry later. The definition of a star, according to the National Basketball Association, is a player who has been an all-star or on an all-NBA team over the past three seasons. The league has identified 14 or 15 teams that will have stars, but there are some people outside of that criteria who might qualify as being a star, like a Victor Wembanyama, who's not played one game in the NBA, but we know of his star power. Do they want him on national television? Absolutely. So clearly there will be some contravention of this new law, this new edict in the NBA around resting players and the stars or whatever the case might be. But I wish in the same way that they defined what a star was in the NBA, they defined the criteria for what an MVP is because that joint is like the moving goalpost of the NBA voting mechanism that I will probably never, ever understand. And although I want to say I should never say never, I've said it three times in the past 15 seconds. So let me stop. But before we go, I want to shout out the two seasons of winning time about the dynasty of the Los Angeles Lakers, which has now been canceled after two seasons, no third season coming up. I always thought it was kind of culture vultury that they made this without the consent or the input of the guys who were there who made up the team. No magic no artist formerly known as Ferdinand Lewis Alcindor Jr. Norm Nixon's son, Devon, actually plays him, which I watched the first season and started watching the second season not too long ago. But in winning time, which is where I got the phrase when I was talking about it at the beginning of the fourth quarter, I got it from Magic Johnson, who I met for the first time in New York City playing in a celebrity charity basketball tournament where he dominated the game, barely shooting, and just guarding him like he was a tank. This was in the late 90s. And I recall taking a photo with him. And I've been at the time, I was like 6'5", 220, 225. And I looked like a little kid next to Magic. He was huge. And I consider him the GOAT of the NBA. With his 5-4 and four record, yes, I do. Because it's not just that you fought, it's who you fought. If that's the case, then Muhammad Ali could never be the greatest because he lost before. Oh, the criteria is different. Hmm, here we are again. So either Rocky Marciano or... Floyd Mayweather's the GOAT, right? Depends on who you're talking to, I suppose. And when they asked about the GOAT point guard in NBA history, they asked none other than the point guard, the actual point guard for the Golden State Warriors, which is the irony. And I'm not saying Wardell Stephen Curry. I'm talking about Draymond Green, who's led them and assists since he became a starter for that squad. But by position, Steph Curry is the point guard. It was asked of Draymond Green, a Michigan State Spartan, much like Irvin Magic Johnson, to divide his loyalties and Figure out which one he was going to root for. He says, look, I got to ride with a dog who I came in here with. I'm giving it to Steph. Because it's not just what Steph has done for the game of basketball, 
what he's done to the game of basketball, which is change it and change how we look at it. Well, I think a guy who played all five positions his rookie year in the NBA Finals with the MVP sitting down, six foot, nine inch point guard, he changed the game as well. I think the impact of that can be viewed in a lot of ways, whether you're looking at Viva Basketball, whether you're looking at even the advent of the Dream Team, whether you're looking at guys like Penny Hardaway and Sean Livingston and even the hashtag, he shan't be named, guys who at that size, running the point and making decisions like a point guard, that comes from him. So while the optics are not as distinguishable by every little kid in the planet throwing up three-pointers at the rim, Everyone can attempt to do what Steph Curry has done with the three-point revolution and the shooting and everything else, but not everyone can have the best porn name in basketball history and actually be the GOAT of the league because it's not just that you fought, it's who you fought and he fought some of the greatest teams in league history. So, Draymond, I understand your pick, but I'm going with the GOAT, Magic Johnson, and hopefully you're going with the GOAT and coming back next week. So do remember, until then, do what's popular with the population, Make sure you don't get beat off the dribble and keep listening to The Open Run with Will Strickland. Rich kid, my mellow, my man. Do what you do when you do it. Easy.